Hello, I am Katrina Collier, and as part of my mission to inspire all the people that recruit people to treat people better, I bring you the Hiring Partner Perspective Unedited podcast. Here, you will hear from those hiring leaders who create true partnerships with recruiters, HR, and talent acquisition because they know that it delivers a better result for the business and a better human experience. May this podcast inspire other hiring leaders to create better partnerships with their recruiters and HR. And may it inspire recruiters to create true and valuable partnerships with their hiring leaders because people make businesses succeed and people matter. So let us begin. Adam Gibson, welcome to the Hiring Partner Perspective Unedited Podcast, proudly supported by the people at WorkDrive. Welcome, welcome. I'm so excited to talk to you. Thanks, Katrina. Lovely to be here. Yes. So, um, obviously, I know you as the, well, actually, I know you from Disrupt HR London from many moons ago. And, of course, I know you as the amazing author of Agile Workforce Planning. But tell me more. What have you been up to? What's going on in Adam Gibson world? Um, so in, you know, the, uh, the pandemic has really been, you know, as it's been for everyone, it's been a bit of a big change for big change for me. So Slightly in that time, yeah, in, in that time <laughs> I've, I've, um, I've moved companies. So I've gone yes. from, gone from one, one company to another. Um, I've had a little girl, um, oh, congratulations. in that time. I did um, not know that. Now, she's now five months old. Um, <gasps> We're doing the, you know, the working from home, um, a, an awful lot more, um, and obviously, and obviously, published the book and moved house in that time. So yeah, there's been a lot on in the in the pandemic wow. time. But what's been exciting? What's been exciting is seeing um, is seeing businesses re- really shift their mindset on what is possible. Um, you know, if if you rewind the clock back, you know, yeah. eighteen months, two years, to yeah. conversations you would have had about could this work be done in any other way? It was so, for so many areas, it was a categoric no. And then when health and health of health of leaders came into yeah. came to the fore, suddenly things became possible. And I think it just, you know, though I still wouldn't, I still wouldn't say that this has been. The great experiment we've been surviving from home rather than working from home yeah, in the traditional course. sense but it's been uh, really interesting to see um, just how businesses have been able to shift their mindsets and show what could be possible do you know it's, i feel a bit naive saying this i'd not thought of it as health of leaders i just thought this was forced upon them because the government said oh my god you're right because they, they could have balked at it initially, couldn't they, and said, no, we're not doing it. They could have, in an awful, yeah. Their health was a threat. My God, that's so true. Yeah, and it, it certainly in a lot of in a lot of areas that had where the leadership was more traditional and older, yeah. um, there were a lot of things that categorically it has to be done this way. And there were justifiable reasons that were rolled out to say, yeah. this is the reason why. And those suddenly became flexible. Yeah. Once you know, once it was a personal risk to yeah. senior leaders. Interesting, isn't it? So, um, <laughs> explain for people who don't know. To be fair, who haven't had the great privilege of reading your book, what is workforce planning, and then what is agile workforce planning? Uh, sure. So, Sorry, workforce that's really long. 
Is that going to take yeah. up the next? <laughs> no, no. I'll do. I'll do the quick quick version. Mm. So workforce <clears throat> workforce planning is simply a a, um, a way of planning um, your workforce um, requirements and your workforce so that you can deliver your business objective. It's yeah. simply applying a planning approach to it. The agile approach is where what we've done is we've taken a lot of these more traditional approaches where, to be honest, the end state was the plan. Mm -hmm. What you were trying to do was create a workforce plan. In agile workforce planning, what you're trying to do is create a workforce. The plan is just the means to get there. But it means we go beyond this linear process of create a plan to this ongoing business process of we need to not only create the workforce, but appreciate that things change, pandemics and such. And therefore, we need to continually readjust what we're doing so that we continue to go in the right direction, but that we're keeping everything afloat. Yeah. So how was the process writing out all your thinking in the book, having been through that painful <laughs> typing on my um, keyboard process? <laughs> yeah. So I remember us speaking um, beforehand, but we haven't spoken since yeah, you did it. <laughs> yes. We, we, we spoke in those early days where I was, where I was seeking your, your sage advice on on some of these things and it definitely helped to create that to make sure I had a clear outline and to be honest I'd I'd spent long enough thinking a lot of these things through so yeah. it definitely had a definitely had a frame of reference in my mind um but what I learned from it is um <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not a fantastic I'm not a fantastic writer um and I found myself um probably from from some of my uh, you know uh, my background which has been traditionally in um, in arts when I, oh. you know, that was what I did my education in, where I would write something, question myself and think, well, why do I think that? And then immediately go off and try and do further research into yeah. it to make sure I had a balanced argument, which means I'm tremendously slow going through the writing process. And I spoke to other writers who, I think there was a lot of people who during the pandemic mm. um, thought, well, I'm going to use this time to do, to do writing. And I spoke to some people who were, you know, be able to crack out an inordinate amount of uh, of work yeah. in a day, and I was thinking, how can you? How are you able to do this every single yeah. day? Um, where I struggled to come up with a couple of thousand words in a week. So, um, yeah, no, I had yeah. I had times like that. I think it's when you go. I'd go into the grey. I sort of had this idea of what I wanted to write, and as soon as I'd start straying away from that. I would only write 400 words in the entire day and I'd have been there for like eight hours and have written 400 words and I'd be so, I'm like, come on, you can do that in 10 minutes. Like, and it would be that, and it would be bringing it back to my truth and my center and what I was really comfortable to write about. And it's, it's hard. It's a hard process. So I congratulate you for writing it all out. There's some good reviews on the back here though. So it can't be all bad. You're writing. I, I'm, I think you never know how it's going to land. <clears throat> this yeah. is the thing when you're writing the things that are in your head and make sense to you. Yeah, you never know how any of this is gonna gonna land, um, and there's definitely an element of fortune to the right word. Oh, okay. The fact that it came out yeah. during the pandemic, yes, at a time where people were thinking we need a different way of doing this, yeah. has certainly helped with the momentum of it. But I've been I've been uh, really humbled about how well how well it's landed in so many areas of actually this has simplified it for the first time this this now makes sense and that's okay. what I'm, tra- I'm I'm trying to help others to do what I can do yeah, because I, I know it can make a difference it is it is the most humbling experience isn't it they, they I'm writing out all of my thinking in a book to put it in front of you and it can be criticized 
Oh my god! I'll never forget that moment. And you know, those who heard my story, I cried for two hours straight. As soon as I hit, sent it over to Kogan Page and knew it was done, yeah. I sobbed for two hours straight because I felt so vulnerable. What if they don't like it? Ah. Yeah. <laughs> so again, I cannot commend you enough uh, for that side. So I'm going to ask you the big question because you know I know this is a constant debate. Where should workforce planning sit in a company? See. I I think it should be part of TA. HR will tell you it should be part of HR. <laughs> what does yeah, Adam I, Gibson, it's, it's, author, think? <laughs> yeah. I, I get, I, I get asked, a bucket ton of experience as well. I shouldn't just say it's not really <laughs> no, what is it? You've been doing this for yeah, years. I've, I've been doing this. I've been doing this for a while. It's not my first rodeo. Um, so I, I get asked the question a lot about where should where should it sit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And it's traditionally, I get asked this at HR-related events. So there's mm-hmm. there's always an angle about, and therefore it should sit in HR. Yeah. Look, there's for in workforce planning. Like one of the key things I talk about is the workforce planning levers, yeah. which are the things that you can do to um, to change the workforce. Mm. And you've got five talent management levers: buy, build, borrow, bind, and bounce. Um, and that's. Do you want to, to say that again a little slower recruit. in case someone had their pen out and missed sure. it? <laughs> so buy buy is to bring in permanent. Yeah. Build is to develop your own. Borrow yeah. is to bring in contingent labors, mm-hmm. labor. Um, bind is to retain and bounce is to move or exit. So there yeah. are your five traditional talent management levers. Yeah. Um, you know, Dave Ulrich wrote about those many, many moons ago. Yeah. Um, they will be familiar to the HR. HR crew. And I see him a word as well, which is very cool. He, he did very kind of him. <laughs> but then there's two additional ones, which is balance and bot. Yeah. Now, balance is to um, is to ensure you've got um, the alignment of the organisation. So this is where you will look at performance improvement, transformation. It's where you will look at your operating model, your organisational design. Mm-hmm. You will look at supporting technologies. How do we make sure that demand is optimised in the best possible way? Yep. And then bot is to automate. Anything that you've got that's repeatable, what can you automate? Mm-hmm. So my my advice to it, to everyone doing this is, first, optimise demand. And the reason I say this is, you know, as I said before, mm-hmm. I moved house over the pandemic. Yeah. Um, and I'm um, I'm an army veteran by background, so I moved a lot. One yep. of the things I did an awful lot was take trips to the recycling centre. I hate packing. Everyone hates packing. Um, but I took a lot of trips to the recycling centre. Why? Yep. Because I accumulate things that I no longer need. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a finite amount of boxes. I've got a finite amount of space in the in a removal vehicle. So I'm getting rid of things that that aren't going to add value in my new in my new place. Yeah. But businesses often don't do that. No. Um, and it links, you know, probably links into the things that you'll recognize in the recruitment space. Often what the what uh, an operational lead will say is, bring me more boxes. And they're just looking at HR yeah. or recruitment of just bring me more boxes. And so I always, you know, and this is so important to what we do with people of let's, if we're going to bring people into our organization or have them change what they do, let's at least put them against the things that are of the maximum value. So things that are of low value, things that are of no value, let's get rid of those. So back to the question of, so where should it sit? Yeah. If you've not, if HR don't have the ability to do those things, if they don't own the levers to be able to change the operating model, change the org design, do process improvement and transformation to automate things, there's no sense in them owning it. It needs to be owned at a high level. Now, that's not to say it can't be executed 
within a function of HR, mm. but it needs to be going straight into operational leads on yeah. this who do have the power to take that first step. Yeah, which is important, isn't it? And because people, even through this, still have that resistance to change. I love the analogy of your finite boxes. I'm going to remember that when I move. Which will be happening <laughs> at some point this year or next year. <laughs> definitely remembering that. Yeah. Um, so obviously I saw you'd been hiring, which is why, because you can't come on if you're not hiring manager, can you? Um, yeah. And I loved it actually, because you put out a beautiful post welcoming your new team member in. Um, and yeah. what was that process like? Have you hired before? Was it the first time? Um, do you, how do you feel about hiring? Is it your least yeah. favorite thing that, to do? <laughs> so it was, um, it was the first hire, it's the first sort of hire that I've been through um, at my new company. Yeah, I've hired. I've done an inordinate amount of um, hiring as a as a hiring manager in the past. Yep. Um, it's one of the things that's 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 always in my mind of um, probably. I think I've said this before. The most maligned group um, in most organisations is mm-hmm. the is the hiring manager. Whenever you think of things going wrong, it's always it's it's the nebulous hiring manager where things go wrong. Um, but it, to be you know to be honest, you know so much of it, it so much of it is is true. And well, because we're I, humans and we're I flawed, probably, and we're hiring humans who are flawed. exactly we're humans <laughs> with with exactly we, you know we're we're flawed individuals. Yeah. And crucially, we're doing something um, as a hiring manager. We're typically doing something that we do rarely. Yeah. So if we're not if we're not constantly hiring, mm. um, then this is something that we'll do one off. And if you think of all the other things that you do yeah. as one off activities, you know you you know you sort of you you you'll, you'll get it wrong. You'll forget particular steps of the process. Mm. You'll have to you'll have to go back through it. So it's one of the things that that just has greater risk on it based on you know we're bringing people we're bringing new people into the organization is one of the most crucial functions that mm. as um as a leader that we will that we will need to do but it's something that we often don't do yeah. on a regular basis and actually um, now the fact it sounds so, sorry to interrupt you it sounds like recruiters need to remember that because we're doing it day to day so when we sit down yeah. and we had that initial intake strategy session, chapter five of my book, as I call it, we should be re- really outlining the process, like what our expectations are of you as a hiring manager, particularly if you haven't hired for four, five, six months. You know, you hadn't thought of that, love that. I love this podcast. I learned so it's, much myself. Yeah. <laughs> if, if you, if you. If you sort of think, you know, think from that individual perspective, it's, you know, yeah. I, I think find a lot of this is about um, trying not to other everyone else. And it's back yeah. to this thing of, oh, it's the, it's the hiring manager. There are, you know, there are things that even as a recruiter that you might have to do, mm. do, you know, what's, what's every blue moon? So, you know, um, manage a grievance from an employee, you yeah. know, unless you're in a toxic organization where everyone's doing it mm. it's something that people will do once once rarely yeah um thankfully and you know from would a recruiter be absolutely comfortable doing that unsupported knowing yeah. the risk that sits on no, they'd be looking for support and i think it's the same with um the same with everyone with everyone else um and it's one of the that that what's one of the things that i have found that's helped me when doing workforce planning for example yeah is 
I'm not trying to get um, business leaders to to do what I can do and know what I can, know what I know. Mm. My role is to translate. My role yeah. is to translate HR speak mm-hmm. into business speak and yeah. translate business speak back into HR speak so that we can execute it. Yeah, and that's been important for me to remember. And I think it's important for all functions of HR, including mm. um, talent acquisition um, and recruitment functions, yeah. to recognise that same thing. Interesting. So um, when you're out there and you're hiring someone to join your workforce planning team, were you were you also thinking the fundamentals and actually saying, did you think to go look around or did you automatically think I'll go and look outside the company for someone? Did you have to put your own uh, thinking into play? So we, <laughs> yeah, so we, I mean, we, we, um, we're quite open in how we, how we bring people, uh, how we bring people into the team. So mm. we both look, um, internally and externally for mm. um, for people who, who who can come and do that um, and uh, we, we're going through it because of how much growth we're seeing so I work in a I work in a client facing role mm-hmm. so we, we're, we're working in the marketplace yeah um, we are going through a lot of growth and so mm-hmm. um, the higher that you saw is just one of a number yeah. that that um, that we are making. He's just the first that, that's joined us, um, and so we are looking you know, both internally and externally exactly. for people for people to do that. Um, and and what's important is that we try to be open to see you know mm. who are the people who um, not only have got the capabilities to be able to uh, bring value to what we do, um, but are really passionate about this kind of activity because yeah. you know I find that. You know, so much of that is is almost the more you know the more powerful powerful bit. You know, do you, do you have the passion? You know, do you have the um, you know do you have that those the broader goals of the difference that you can make in sight? Uh, mm. And that's what that's what's so important. Do you have favourite interview questions you ask to delve into that? Oh, I know, putting you on the spot. Um, so there's no pre warning on this one. <laughs> Sometimes yeah, I'm blind and send questions over. <laughs> yeah. Um, I know you too well. I find I ch- yeah, I find I, ch- I, f- I find I change them. Well, but um, I shouldn't give away too many uh, too many secrets. But, oh yeah, no, don't. Um, I find I change. I need, yeah, yeah, yeah. I find I I find I ch- uh, you know I've I've changed organisations a, a number of times, and I find that there's elements of the questions that that I do um, mm. that I do want that I do sort of um, change and adjust based on. Um, Based on you know the nature of the role and the nature, usually the nature mm. of the of the direct customer that we're working with. Yeah. Um, but the bit I think one of the ones that that I always come back to um, is um, you know when have you made a mistake? Mm. Um, you know when it what when have you made a mistake? Um, and what was the what was the impact about that? Um, and you know, I'll sort of give a couple of example of examples from my past of things that then are still still stick in my head. So, what yeah. I'm trying to, what am I, why am I asking this? Yeah, you're trying I'm to asking catch them this out, so be that, really mean, or see their process. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, well, exactly. So, firstly, firstly, there's a bit of self awareness. Yeah, you know, do you recognise those things? Yeah, but there's also a recognition that that's we're always going to make we're always going to make mistakes. Absolutely, and mistakes aren't necessarily this. Um, in, in certain organisations that, from my perspective, are toxic, then 
mistakes and failure is crushed. Now, I'm in a line of work where what we do is an awful lot of experimentation. So we have to be comfortable that things aren't going to go according to plan. Mm. And we need to be able to respond to those things in the moment. That's that's the nature of being agile. You need to be able to respond to change um, and move on. But appreciate there's things to be mended, Mm -hmm. relationships, you know, uh, structures, whatever it is, there's things that you're going to, that you're going to. So what I'm trying to do is firstly test self-awareness, but, uh, but also test um, people's recognition of their ability to um, recognize, recognize what needs, what needs fixing, how it, how we fix it yeah. and still be able to move on. Now, the things that, that still stick in my head from my past <laughs> of when I've asked that are those, those where, you know, what you know one person who'd sort of you know sat there pondered on it for for a moment and said you know i can't think of a mistake that i've made oh um, and i thought yeah yeah ta-ta. that's a no <laughs> that's a no from me um and then there was that another one was still a question i think was like oh well, no, exactly I can't well, it has to be perfect i can't possibly <laughs> yeah and this is it it's, it's the recognition that it's the recognition we're not we're human but yeah. the other one that still makes me laugh is the um one candidate who had said where started off with well just yesterday now well just <laughs> yesterday suggests actually this is a common occurrence <laughs> a common occurrence is making a mess of things so that was a oh <laughs> just yesterday yeah. you, you can't think of a the greatest example you can find is one that's so recent to you <laughs> uh, we're still trying to sweep up the pieces so that still continues to make me laugh um as oh, you know as one of the responses i had but Trying to find that the combination between how you mm. deal with things, but do you, you know, do you recognize, do you know yourself mm. um, is, is crucial to me, not only, not only just as a hiring manager in yeah. any role, um, but also because of the nature of what I do. Yeah. You've got to know yourself. You've got to know, not only do you need to know yourself as, you know, as someone who leads yourself, you need to know the business. Yeah. So one of the things that we ask is, you know, do you understand the business area, yeah. warts and all? Do you understand exactly the mechanisms of what drives it? And if you can't understand yourself as a person, yeah. how can I genuinely expect you to understand what's genuinely driving a business? So, lo- so that's really, a crucial question for me. You're coming back to these human skills all the time. I'm forever going on, and you know, people who listen to the podcast know this, that recruitment has become too much about the tools and the technology and the automation and the, the spam, as I call it, because we've got too far away from the stuff you were talking about that curiosity that self-awareness the you know accepting okay I, I made a mistake but I learned and this is how I bounced back and this is what I did differently so I adapted we just I, I yeah, feel like we need to take a step back into the human skills a bit we do but that's that's the such the, the important bit is that is is what you just said there is these are human skills for me a lot of people have conflated this with culture and it's not. Um, I'm very much. I very much take the view, and this is a view that I first heard from Claude Silver, who's mm-hmm. chief heart officer over at Vayner Media, and she's number two to Gary Vee. Mm-hmm. And her view is very much: we hire for skills fit and culture additional. Yeah, and it means that we're not we're not trying to replicate what we've got. This is about have you got the the capabilities to do things, mm-hmm. but skills isn't. Can you use that technology over there 
No. Can you do this? Can you? It is the broader, you know, the, the broader, more human things of how do you solve problems? Yeah. How do you deal with adversity? They're absolutely critical mm. in in what we do. And as we as we continue to bring in more technologies and automate more, we're not going to be able to get away with that. Mm. You know, that's going to continue to happen. So if we accept that that's the case, yeah. what is it? in the robot-proof recruiter world, <laughs> what is it that differentiates us from the robots? Yeah. And it's not, you know, the, the, the robots can do Excel better yeah. than I can. So what is it that differentiates me? It's the ability to do those things. And yeah. that's those things are becoming more and more important. That curiosity in the and the that we empathy yeah. and passion. And the... I always Absolutely. call it wooing. You know, you're wooing. You, you met that candidate you really wanted to hire and you as a heart manager and the recruiter are wooing that person into the company. And you're, you know, yeah. you're, because that person will ask something completely unexpected so much through the process. And also feel um, as we come out of this pandemic, there's still a lot of fear. You know, I'm not going to change jobs, my God, because there have been household name companies just disappear. So mm. there's that. Uh, Absolutely. And I think there'll be even more of that from hiring managers and from recruiters. We're going to have to we better. <laughs> Should hashtag that, shouldn't I? We better put out your human skills. That, yeah, absolutely, because it is. You're right. It is. It's you know. It is. A, it is a two way, and that's. It's something that we build into you know our recruitment processes. Is that part of this is not to just sit there and go, well, we're fantastic. Of course, you want to join us. Yeah. You know, or, or, or you know that that almost snootiness. Um, yeah. It's to actually say, look, you know, let 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 me explain a bit about mm. um, about the organisation, about the firm, about why you'd want to join, about what mm. is it that you know, why why is it that I'm here? Why is it that I'm excited to be here? Yeah, to just to sh- try and share that with people, yeah. Because often that human side of it, they're not going to know. They'll read, you know, they'll read what's on the internet. Um, they'll mm. they'll have a look at. They might get a bit of it from what's on Glassdoor, for example. Yeah. Um, or whatever's come through from rec- from yeah. direct from recruiter, but I and want you have them some to very hear good stuff on you. Instagram as well. So that behind the scenes, yeah, behind. absolutely. <laughs> Look behind. <laughs> so, do have you found it hard recruiting with the whole? Are we coming back into the office? Are we not coming back into the office? Are we going to be hybrid? Are we going to be? Because I assume, like every other company, they probably don't quite know what's <laughs> going to happen yet. Everyone's still working <laughs> it out. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so we've. We've only just made recently made the call that um, that from September we're going to be looking a little more hybrid. Well, yeah. that's that's the that's the plan anyway. It's amazing. Is to be a little more hybrid with yeah. a split of a, a split of time at home, time in the office. Um, and the part of the reason for that is ultimately we we are working with clients. So if they are you know if they are back in the office, um, then we would want then we it, it's quite likely we will want to be on site with them yeah so absolutely natural but of, we didn't know that when i was going through when we were going through the hiring process yeah. for a number, for oh you're right for that matter <clears throat> exactly well, absolutely checks your date again. So, oh yeah absolutely you would have had the same questions <laughs> yeah, well, very much so uh, but mm. one of the things that we that um we have already set our stall out is very much about flexibility yeah so we, we flexibility was all already built into what was being advertised anyway. Mm. So, um, and it was interesting, you know, there was, there was one person I spoke to who um, lives up in, obviously I'm down on the outskirts of London. Um, Mm. I, I work out of the, theoretically I work out of the London office, um, (laughs) although I've not been there. Um, And he's up, you know, he's up in Scotland. 
Yeah. And so he asked the question about, you know, how does, you know, how does this look? And I said, well, look, um, we've got the person who leads our area of um, organization and workforce transformation. He lives up in Glasgow. <clears throat> we've got the leader of mm. this, of people advisory services. She's up in Glasgow. Yeah. Um, we are scattered, you know, my buddy is over in, you know, he's over in Reading. We yeah. are, we, you know, we are over a global firm. Over in Reading. We soon, <clears throat> That's such a yeah, London we're, thing. We're all, you know, it's we're, true though, isn't it? Reading seems so far away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. People in Scotland are going, what are you um, going on about? But when you live in London, going, yeah, Reading is just so down the far road. away. <laughs> exactly. That's, it's a, it's a decent track. It really is. And so that really, yeah. And that really helped, helped him to sort of understand yeah. That you know the, the fact that you're up there, you know this isn't a. Yeah. I'm expecting you to relocate. This will work. You know, where, mm. no matter. And I'm always a believer in you know ma- no matter what you know, wherever you can bring value from, yeah. it, you know, is going to help. And and I recognise that as you know, as someone mm. you know on a current piece of work that I'm uh, doing at the moment, I've got, I've genuinely got a global team. I've got a, mm. I've got part of the team who were over in India. I'm liaising with a support team who were over in the US. It's great, it's great fun for time zones. Absolutely. Um, it could be worse, but, uh, though. You could have Australia and West Coast. That's really bad. I, At least uh, India's uh, like four and a half hours. It's not so bad. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not going to be. I'm not going to lie. I've been doing some. I've been doing some calls with New Zealand this week. Oh, often, <laughs> often. <laughs> it is hard, and I always love it when um, someone on the West Coast goes, "Okay, so can we chat at four p.m. on Friday, West Coast time?" Uh, no, <laughs> I'm not yeah. talking to you at midnight. No, <laughs> oh, sorry. It's really yeah. funny. It's like they haven't realised that we're really on such a different time zone. Yeah, no. Yeah, I, I barely ring home because of that, just back to Sydney, because it's just too yeah. hard. <laughs> so I feel for you, I feel for you. So important questions. What, what's Well, sure. what's next? What, what, what are you planning next? Have we got another book coming? Are you speaking somewhere? Um, where can people absorb themselves where can, where can yeah so so i'm i'm continuing to i'm continuing to write not book not a book um so i'm <laughs> continuing to i'm continuing to write a lot so i'm um, scarred from my book writing <laughs> i think it's one of those things that um I've, I've been sort of laying out my stall now to say yeah. um there isn't a second book in me there probably is there I mean, will be. probably wait, all got multiple wait. books in us um i i just think um you know with a with a five-month-old baby trying to yeah. say, um, I'll, "I'll write a book," is um, it's probably going to get me beaten. Uh, so, <laughs> but there's a there's a lot that um, there's a lot that's being um, published by uh, Blue Arrow. So yeah. they're 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 sort of they're publishing a, um, a range of articles um, that I've that um, that I'm writing for them. Oh, that's um, and there's other things that I continue to uh, you know I continue to put onto social media. Yeah. Um, on the on the speaking front of there's actually the the first part of this year has just been crazy with with speaking engagements oh wow um at the, <clears throat> and uh so at the moment i think we've got a bit of a pause on until we probably get into september. um yeah september october november is when there'll be a second burst of of, of activity is that a um, period <laughs> yeah so so i'll i will i'll be back again um i'll be back again sort of speaking uh speaking yeah. at a number of events i just like that i uh, quite like that that we go quiet in the middle of the year though i need that reprieve when i've been speaking <laughs> and it's making yeah. sure it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, well, it's like a balancing act of how much i speak yeah i hear you um but otherwise I'm, yeah. i will put a link to your linkedin profile so people can 
come and connect with you there. And obviously, go and get yourself a copy of Agile Workforce Planning. It's, it's a solid <laughs> book. It makes mine look a bit small. It's, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's got an extra 100 pages of mine. It is, but it looks really readable. I love it. I should say I should say I've read it and I haven't, which is dreadful. Um, I have a pile of books sitting here and I keep going. Ah. But I like the fact that, um, I mean, Koga Page is so good at helping you write them so that they're easy to read in the respect of like spreading them out and good headlines. And yeah. It's good. It's easy. Yeah. I definitely started writing it a bit too much like a textbook with lots of bullet points and paragraph, subparagraph, yeah. sub, subparagraph. And they went, calm me down. You need a little bit more prose. So that definitely <laughs> helped. Getting them to validate very early chapters was then what set me up to making it a much better read. As I know, they really did make me a better writer. I was just been. I was so grateful to work with them, but I remember. I mean, I gave them such a hard time initially until I got into the flow, and he'd say things like, "That would be so much better as an inline quote." And I go, "What? (laughs) Could you please explain (laughs) this to me in English? English, not like." you know book writing yeah. english i was yeah it was hilarious but they're so such beautiful people <laughs> so thank you so much for sharing with us your expertise and your sneaky question which i quite like always love a sneaky question um and <laughs> no, i'm very very grateful for your time thank you adam no problem at all thank you ever so much Katrina. take care thank you for listening to the hiring partner perspective unedited podcast proudly supported by the people at work drive Hopefully you really enjoyed what you heard and have left feeling inspired. And if so, I would love your help to create real change. Please pass this podcast on to your hiring leaders and other recruiters and HR. Even share it on your social channels if you feel so inclined. But the more reach we can get, the more change we can create. So please remember to subscribe, of course, on your favorite podcast platform. And do come and say hello at Hiring Partner Perspective on Instagram, where I share behind the scenes of what's going on. Until next time, thank you. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.